In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International. Today, we're doing it in infrared so that we look really cool. Anyways, I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England zone, Van Helsing. And with me, all the way from across the pond, is the rock parapsychologist himself, Mr. Cal Cooper. Good evening, Ron. How are you doing? Outstanding. And also joining us today is Mr. Parascience and Mr. IR, Full Spectrum, Stephen Parsons. It's not Full Spectrum, I've told you. It's the same thing, right? No. Full Spectrum means everything from UV, visible and infrared inclusive, but the all no. the Full Spectrum cameras can't do the, them all at the same time. Inclusive, it means includes IR, so what's the difference? Yeah, well, full spectrum implies the whole of the spectrum all at the same time. Anyway, it was only some test shots we did. Now you've got to explain to everybody what we're talking about. Well, where are they located so that we can't say, oh, you're listening to the Ghost Chronicles International right here on Tojanet, Parax, Ghost Channel and Beyond. And uh, where are they located, Stephen? Uh, I've just stuck them on my Facebook page. Just the last couple of uh, pictures uploaded. We, we, uh, we. Over, I'm sure everybody knows about full spectrum photography and the claims being made and the cost of these full spectrum cameras. Um, but it's perfectly possible for about twenty to fifty dollars to modify any night vision camera to work uh, with extended spectrum, which I think is a better term. Um, and we we had one of ours modified, and out of a series of test shots, just because they look pretty, I put a couple on my Facebook page this evening. So if you want to have a look at Kerou Castle out here in West Wales, taken in moonlight in infrared, then go have a look on my Facebook page. There you go. So, uh, Cal, have you ever used uh, IR or uh, photography yeah, or the full spectrum? I haven't used the full spectrum cameras, but I experimented a lot with infrared um, when I was at college because I did photography as an A-level. Um, but that was using 35 millimeter, so I had to keep all the films in the fridge, and I've still got some there now. And I had to load it in complete darkness, um, so I had to practice loading the film in the camera and taking it out in complete darkness, so it didn't fog the film because it was so sensitive. Mm-hmm. And it was quite tricky to use. I think on my first attempt, I only got three decent pictures out of the whole roll. 
Um, but it's certainly great when you go to places like the example Steve's got, um, when you went to Old Castles, I went to Scarsdale Hall, which is a place that Simon Marsden took photographs of as well. And it's just brilliant. It just gives this kind of glowing essence to the building where it's taking in infrared radiation and not light as the normal, um, the normal film rolls would do. So I've used it before, but not for ghost hunting. You know, what's really interesting is that when I first started uh, the New England Ghost Project years ago, I actually hooked up with this Franciscan monk who was taking spirit photography with uh, IR film. And that's the one you have to load in the course that we just talked about, loading in the black bag and unloading in the black bag and storing in the freezing the fridge and all that stuff. And it was really, of all the, the shots I've seen, spirit photography, if, if you believe they were spirits, uh, with IR was probably the, the best ones I've ever seen. Uh, I thought they were you know, pretty amazing uh, what we got out of them. So uh, that was my first... Uh, exposure to uh, IR, and I, I really like it, and I still use it now and then. Our guest is feeling pretty left out because I know our guest has experimented extensively with infrared photography using film. Oh, we have a guest. Oh, oh, Steve, why don't you introduce her then? Uh, tonight we we do have a guest, um, someone very well known to me, and unfortunately knows me equally well. Um, my co-conspirator in parascience. Uh, and Winsper, who's been on the show before, and last time uh, it was to talk about time slips, but wrong, you sidetracked the entire show. Um, I heard it. He kept flirting the entire show. That's why it took so long to get round to anything. <laughs> so tonight, flirting. He was talking complete rubbish, and I had to keep telling him off. <laughs> so and so tonight, <laughs> with with much trepidation. <laughs> It's all right, I'm um, slightly distracted tonight. I'm watching the Paralympics on the iPad while we're talking. There you go, there you go. <laughs> um, we have so Cal, to you're saying that I'm a slapper, about. is that what you told me? Yeah, you are, talk you're such a tart, Ron. Ron. Yes, Ian Winsper, uh, uh, congratulations, welcome aboard. Glad good evening. There you go. <laughs> and she's very good with IR photography too. I have indeed used IR photography for many, many, many years. With considerably better results than three photographs per roll of film, I should add. Uh, I'm not allowed add to talk about it because I'm going to keep us on track for time slips. <laughs> that was the first attempt. Yeah, my first attempt. I got a full roll. Well, aren't you brilliant? <laughs> of course. <laughs> I'm brilliant at everything, Cal. You should know that by now. Time slips. <laughs> yes, anyways, so the Paralympics, uh, how's it going? Marvellously, no. we've just won another gold medal. Time and we're just catching up in the wheelchair basketball as well. Well, you can't say I'm not trying to keep us on. <laughs> Who won the golden time slips? I'll tell you what. Um, we can talk about time slips because that's what we want to talk about, right? And actually, I don't. How do I know this isn't a time slip? By the way. Sorry, there was a delay there because I think there was a time slip. (laughs) Really? See? That's what I'm telling you. That's what happens when you deal with the future and the past. Good evening and welcome to Ghost Chronicles International. (laughs) There you go. So, anyways, we're going to talk about time slips, slips, slaps, whatever, right 
right after this break because we have to, another exciting issue of Beyond Bizarre with my favorite uh, young lady, Bala Ventura. King Crazy Pants. In addition to being England's only officially insane king, King George III had a disease called porphyria, a hereditary condition that made his urine deep purple. George enjoyed nicknames like Mad King George and the king who lost the American colonies. He was the one who, insanely, issued the Stamp Act that got the ball of the American Revolution rolling. And nowadays, we see that a short guy who's insecure about his height has a Napoleon complex. But Napoleon wasn't that short. He was a robust 5 feet 6 inches, average height for a Frenchman of the time. He just hung around with a lot of tall guys, making him look short in comparison. Some historically freaky facts from Barla Ventura's Beyond Bizarre. Oh, Vala. So if we looked at King George's urine with a full-spectrum camera, what color would it be? You lot should be grateful for King George III, not denigrating him. I was just curious. What color would his urine be if we looked at it with a full-spectrum camera? Uh, oh, hang on. Um, Since when was it not meant to be purple? <laughs> it, would, it would emit under ultraviolet. It would emit uh, ultraviolet, so it would appear dark under infrared. Interesting. Anyways, let's talk about time slips since we were talking about the past. What is a time slip? This is clearly a question for our guest. <laughs> who's watching the para who's, no, she's watching the Paralympics now. I was, actually. Somebody's just had a terrible crash in the wheelchair. But anyway. Um... <laughs> it's going to be a good show, I can tell already. Right. <laughs> time slips, yes. Well, the sort of time slips that I look at are the time slips where people describe where they apparently walk into a scene that is, it appears to be in a completely different era of time. Um, not just like a ghost experience where you see one figure that appears to be out of time, but the whole scene appears to be out of time. So the streets, the buildings, the people, everything around you, it all seems to be from a different time period. And it appears to be an interactive kind of experience as well. So you can talk to people and they can talk back to you. And the people you talk to seem to be just as surprised to see you as you are to see them. And they seem to have uh, commonalities to these experiences. Um, people quite often describe that the light seems a bit peculiar and dimmed and sounds seem a bit dimmed when they happen. And people can walk into these kind of areas and walk out of them again afterwards. And people can share these experiences. There can be a group of people that these things happen to at the same time, or one person can experience this. And we've found that there can be sort of hot spots, areas where these things happen quite a lot. And there seems to be a hotspot fairly close to here, where there's been quite a lot of reports of these apparent time slips happening. Well, wait a minute. I have to uh, interrupt here, of course. And uh, you said there seems to be a time slip here. 
I mean, is it non, is it a, a fixed location? Is, is that what I'm hearing? Yes, it's um, a, quite a small area in Liverpool in the UK, um, particularly located on one specific street where there's been lots and lots of reports of these time slips happening. Um, in fact, at one point, we actually wondered whether there was something specific to this one street that was causing these time slips to happen. But subsequently, I've heard of lots of different time slips happening in different areas, and I've had trouble pinning down any sort of commonality to these areas to find out what might be causing them. Well, what sort of, what sort of things did you look at when you try to pin them down, basically? Oh, you look at the obviously the type of person that's reporting it, um, the weather conditions. What one of the th one of the things we were looking at <laughs> was random motorbikes that were going on. Um, one of the things we were looking at was the area in Liverpool was within the underground railway system. We wondered if that had any sort of effect on it. But we've also had reports coming from the middle of the countryside where there's been nothing like that going on. Time of day, weather conditions, type of person, buildings that are around. There doesn't seem to be any specific commonalities that we can pin down. Does anybody else know about these, either Cal or Stephen? Uh, well, I have to hold my hand up and say I was part of, uh, along with Anne, obviously, um, part of a some of the investigations um, that were looking at the area and the locations. We spent quite a bit of time uh, at the location uh, and concentrated on look, uh, talking to the witnesses and uh, documenting the accounts. Um, but together we did spend quite a number of hours um, looking at the area and the surrounding areas for for any likely explanation that we could that we could find that might account for the experiences but time slips were not just unique to that one area we did also encounter that we have encountered them in uh, one other uh, paranormal case that we investigated and that, but that was a, a one off event where one one witness did report um, as he crossed the location time seemed to slow down dramatically for him and he felt um, uncomfortable and uh, uneasy and he, he also felt nauseous and, and um, unwell until he arrived um, at the room he was going to across the building uh, at, which, at which point everything seemed to snap back to reality and he felt fine after that um, so the, the 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 cases Anne's referring to, I think, and it, it's it's well over fifty fifty witnesses now, isn't it? From well, we've uh, also one had one case. One of the ones that really struck me was it was in Liverpool, but um, a road a few streets further away from where a lot of the common ones were, and there was a couple of girls, and they hadn't actually been to this street before. And they turned onto the street and they reported the sky going quite dark and it started to rain. So they huddled under the brolly, walked down the road. Uh, it was a cobbled road and they were joking to each other how the businessmen were wearing long black coats and bowler hats and how unusual it was because they looked quite old fashioned. Um, one of the men with the bowler hat on looked at them very strangely 
and she joked to her friend, oh, I didn't realise people still dress like that. When they got to the top of the road, they stopped, looked at the town hall, and suddenly they saw traffic coming up the road behind them. Now, that road is actually a road that traffic goes down now. So they must have walked all the way up that road, up the middle of the road. And to them, it was a cobbled street. But in the present day, there's traffic going up and down it. So how did they manage to get up that road without being run over? Interesting. Yeah, what's your what's your thought on this? You've been awful quiet here. Oh, oh, I'm just listening to the accounts. I find them interesting. Uh, there's one particular case that I concentrate on um, a lot for the book more so. It's because of the activity they were having with the computer, and it's in the book The Vertical Plane. And um, Debs, who's involved in it, she had a couple of instances where she went down to the kitchen in the cottage that they lived, and she saw the entire room how it used to be and even in the book in the centerpiece there's a sketch of what she saw um, the kitchen to be like and the main ghost lucas who'd been com communicating with them over the bbc computer from the uh, 15th or 16th century um, she saw him there as well and got to interact with them and again it was like Anne described you know you could be looking at the room you turn away and turn back again and it's turned back to the original modern day kitchen um, so I've heard quite a few accounts of it, and I certainly find it unusual, especially in cases like Anne said, how they've managed to go through so many things and not get injured by what's there in present day, especially if they've been walking down a road that at one time you could do, but now it's a busy high street. I've heard a few accounts of that besides the one that Anne's just mentioned. So I find them odd. I can't explain them. <laughs> I think it's also worth pointing out that we've also got documented... Um, with, people might assume that we're talking about time slips into the past, um, but we've also got documented from uh, another area of the northwest of, of England, not very far from Liverpool, um, and these, of course, obviously are unverifiable because we don't know what the future looks like, but we've got <laughs> what, people, what people claim to be forward time slips as well. Um, so, you know, it might go both ways. If I was going to study time slips, which I have not chosen to, I would be more interested in the, instead of a particular case, in all the cases, and look for a commonality. You know, I go to everything from, you did mention atmospheric conditions and everything, but also, uh, you know, I would look into even uh, planet alignment type thing. Where, where are the planets uh, associated? Are they... Uh, you know, all, all the different things besides it, you know, infrasound. Uh, I know someone knows a lot about that. But, you know, everything you'd really have to look at it, I would think if you were to, if, to me, it'd be more important to find out what the commonalities are, if there are any, and then you could work from there. The first thing that I am hoping for, and it's one thing that I can't believe I haven't had yet, is CCTV footage from the time that someone reports one of these time slips to me. There's CCTV cameras everywhere nowadays, and I have yet to get hold of CCTV footage from the time when someone's reported a time slip. It might show something, it might show nothing, but at least I would have the footage of what happened at that point. And so far, it's eluded me. So I am permanently on the lookout for being able to tie this up. So I need reports as they happen so I can try and get hold of CCTV footage. Let's just say you could get... 
Oh no, go on, Steve. I was going to say, also in addition, <clears throat> most of us now have um, <clears throat> po- access to a pocket video recorder, a pocket camcorder in the form of our mobile phone. So, you know, um, again, w- we live in a culture now where anything unusual, we tend to reach for the phone camera. So hmm. that's something else where we might start to get some, some uh, uh, interesting clues. But what, what I, you know, what Ron says... Um, I can, I, you know, I know because I was, you know, with Anne, and I know the work that we've done on it. That we have looked at, we haven't looked at planetary alignments, but we have looked extensively at the area and all of the logical, plausible explanations that we that we thought were applicable, um, and even one or two of the slightly more esoteric ones. Um, but what's very, very interesting is that there's also no set distance in time that the slip happens. So they're not going from the present to 25 years or 30 years. Um, and, and I think there's been some quite extraordinary ones where, um, if I remember rightly, um, didn't one gentleman encounter himself? Yes, indeed. He was going into a shop and he encountered himself coming out of the same shop. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> there is no fixed. You know, there's there's nothing. Everything about these these time events, uh, are, the evidence seems to be that they're entirely variable. Um, they're fully interactive, as Anne says, but the period of the time event uh, that people are reporting um, is, you know almost random there doesn't seem to be a pattern and one and of the sometimes things sometimes that... you can't even tie the events up exactly either um some of the people are seeing things as they saw them 20 years ago but there's one case a woman went to an area she'd moved into an area where she'd never been before in her life saw it assumed that was how it was in the modern day took her mother back a couple of weeks later and it had completely changed she investigated got all the old maps of the area out and it turned out that it was exactly how it had been on the 1830 tithe map of the area but she'd also seen a pile of rubble which had been identified as the remains of the mill but the mill was actually demolished in 1900 so the remains of the mill she saw was 70 years later than everything else she saw in the time slip. So she'd never seen any of the stuff that she saw in the time slip, but the times of the things she saw didn't all match up to the same time period. So there you've got variability within the actual time event mm. itself. Uh, I know, I know where... Um, this is the difficulty, Ron, and I think... You know, it's a problem that that it would be very, very easy, and I'm sure we we have two psychologists on with us tonight, Anne and Cal. And you know, I, the, the most obvious explanation that people will shout out is, well, of course, it's it's a hallucination, it's a, it's a psychological, you know, trick of the mind. It's a mind right. flip. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I know. Oh, it what? could be. That's why I was just about to propose. Uh, to Anne, I mean, let's just say you could get some footage from CCTV of the event when it happened. You've got the person who's claiming they've had this time slip experience. What do you personally think is 
the likelihood of what's going on. Do you reckon on the footage you'd actually see them walking through this area that they're reporting and what's happening in reality is they're entering some form of altered state of consciousness because for some reason the environmental conditions and the timing's just perfect for them to actually suddenly enter this altered state of consciousness and see things as they were and have this continuous psychic experience until they will walk out the other end? Or is it more likely that all of a sudden on the CCTV they might vanish like a ghost would and they've entered this other state of time, walked through it, and then at the other end they reappear because they've just gone in one end and out the other? I have no idea what will show on the CCTV, Cal, which is why I want to see it. I think it's fairly <laughs> unlikely they'd vanish in front of you, but then again, maybe they would. We don't have any accounts of that, though, do we, where somebody steps across the, ro- the, the road and then suddenly vanishes like but a little who set and then we appears We don't, again. but then what, the other thing you have to remember is just how bad people are at noticing what goes on around them. And when they do see something unusual, just how bad they are at recognising how unusual it is. I mean, Cal, you've been to uni, you've been to all the first-year lectures, you've seen people standing in sweet shops with the shop on fire around them going, no, that shouldn't happen, and ignoring it. If something unusual happens that you're not expecting to see, you just go, yeah, that isn't happening, and ignore it. Let's be honest, Chris French has made a career out of that video. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I've got to ask a $64,000 question. Is that, does a time slip, can a time slip occur with nobody there? Uh, well, the $64 million answer to that is we don't know. But what we do know is that theoretically the laws of physics actually allow a time slip to take place. It does. Yeah, it doesn't contradict the law, the, the, the um, Einsteinian laws of physics, the Newtonian physics. It, it's, you know, it, it, it's theoretical. It's never, you know, the, there are one or two particles where scientists have suggested that they might be doing something unusual across a time barrier. Um, but mm. but the physics theory supports the possibility. Okay. I hate to bring it up again, but the vertical plane case, that suggested that time was just this continuous stream anyway. And some people that have read that book assumed that it was interaction with a ghost over a computer. But when you read it, it's just interaction between two people in different time periods and the computer's creating the link. But in between, you had these time slip phenomena so people could actually see the other person and interact with them. And that's why they experienced poltergeist activity. So moving furniture or things about in one point in time was moving furniture in the other point in time, or writing on the floor, or handprints on the walls, and so forth. Just, just uh, on that very point, and before we come up to this ad break that's that's looming, um, one very funny story from perhaps one of the maddest ghost hunters ever to exist. I won't name really? him. I won't name him. But he actually, um, in a haunted house freely punched the air in front of him and said, you know, time, because he knew there were time slips inside the building, and he said, in 100 years' time, somebody's going to get whacked in the face. <laughs> he was deadly serious. <laughs> it actually makes sense, if it's possible. Uh, you had to meet this guy. <laughs> Is this like me walking out and seeing myself? Uh, well, unless there was a mirror there, yeah, that'd be pretty weird. 
We're just time filling out for this ad. Do, do the ad break now, Ron. We can keep going. <laughs> no, we, we do have to um, take a break right now anyways. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with the renowned rock psychologist, Mr. Cal Cooper. And of course, the most prestigious parascience man, Mr. Stephen Parsons, and his cohort, Ann Winsper, and of course, New England's humble Van Helsink, right here on Tojanet RX Ghost Note. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. by the foremost authorities on the spirit world. Festival of the Dead beckons guests who step through the veil into a mysterious realm where spirits await you. To learn more or to purchase tickets, visit festivalofthedead.com or call 978-740-9783. Happy Halloween! You are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Steve Parsons, Cal Cooper, and Ron Kolick, the triad of terror. And with us is our very special guest, Anne Winspar of Parascience. Those witches were a bit scary, weren't they? 
Yeah, yeah that's actually, uh, I'm part of that event when they said the foremost experts in their field. Of course, I do spectral evidence on uh, October 20th, I think, is uh, this year at uh, part of the Festival of the Dead. Uh, so. You've got a broomstick and a pointy hat. Oh, much more than that. I have a full <laughs> spectrum camera. <laughs> that's good. Anyway, anyway. yes, time slips, <laughs> as we were talking about. Yeah. And, you I'm know, determined to keep us on track because I'll get it in the neck when you guys have gone. Yeah, well, <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, time slips. I mean, how do we know we can even record a time slip? Well, the obvious answer to that is how do we know we can't? Well, you're assuming. See, this is the, no, I'm not. There are no closed circuit camera shots of it because you can't record it. Yeah, but um, as Steve said, you know, you need someone at the right point who's having the experience to just think, oh, hang on a minute, and whip out a mobile phone to actually record the experience. But because no one's thought of doing it, there's no way of saying whether you can or can't. Yeah, but let's go back to that that point that Anne made so well before, because Anne lives near the city of Chester, and Chester is a historic city. I, I used to, you know, I used to visit it regularly also. Um, and one of the things that you see as you walk around the city of Chester or the city of York, or the city of London, is you will see a Roman centurion wandering around in full, you know, full costume, full regalia. And do you know what? Nobody, uh, nobody gives him a second glance. Nobody looks twice. He just goes about his business. Do you know uh, what? I was shopping about a month ago, and I'm not kidding, about 80 of them went past, including horses, the lot. And hardly anybody batted an eyelid. <laughs> so, it, yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's perfect. If we talk about observation before, um, it, you might just not be seeing the time slip. Therefore, what's to say, you know, wh what is there to alert you that there's anything wrong in order for you to reach for your camera or to report the event? And as, as we know, some of these events are of, you know, a very short leap backwards. Uh, in the case of the guy in the shop, for example, uh, others are within, you know, sort of a, a five-year duration. So nothing really is going to be that, that out of place to alert you that something's happening. Well, you know what? This goes back to Cal's point, though, is maybe nobody reacts to him because nobody can see him other than the person that does. Uh, or it may be that nobody reacts to them because there's nothing to react. There's nothing abnormal, ostensibly abnormal, and we're just rubbish at observing stuff. You know, if a whole Roman legion can walk through the middle of Chester with barely anybody turning a, uh, turning a hair. But how do you know that re 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 uh, legion is really there? <laughs> because that legion was really there. It, it, I, know, I don't get I mean, someone saw it's it. A Tory, so that's it's, one it's, person. I know it was there because I know there was an event on that Saturday. Yeah, it was the Tourist <laughs> Legion. Oh, now I get it. You now, I did say Chester is you a very historic city. city. Yeah, building it up. Mm. Anna, have there ever been a, any eyewitnesses to say that they saw the person who's claiming that they've had the time slip? So they actually watched them wandering about as normal. And they said, well, they're claiming they've had... A witness, very good. Yeah, a witness of the witness. Nope. Never been a witness of the witness, right? Nope. There there's either been, been people who have had the experience with the witness, so there's been multiple yeah. witnesses, but yeah. apart from that, no. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, we, we can take, in fact, a mass hysteria for that. 
come on, psychologists, have him for that one. Not and having is- mass hysteria when people are just... <laughs> Well, like I said before, when they were the two women who were going down the road went, oh, God, it's raining, put the brolly up, run down the road. Oh, look at all those people dressed in those silly clothes. Oh, how daft they look, get to the end of the road and go, oh, God, everything's changed. That's not mass hysteria. Why not? <laughs> well, you why have not? a completely I'm different... I'm sorry, am I missing something here? What, what, is, what, is the, what is the definition of mass hysteria? Maybe I'm missing a, a point here. Well, if that's mass hysteria, then everybody must be suffering from hysteria on a daily basis. There has to be something to trigger mass hysteria, and there's absolutely no trigger whatsoever. If, if one person comments on it, I mean, you know, it's been, ghosts have been seen by multiple people, yet no footage is revealed. Uh, so to me, that would be more of a psychological experience rather than a scientific experience it doesn't mean to say that the experience didn't occur though no but i would disagree on that point ron because the fact that we don't have uh there are cases where we do have uh objective data from instrumentation that supports the subjective experience of the witness um, in, t- in cases of t- uh, thermal differences, and in case, uh, and there have also been a number of photographs, the Brown Rainy, uh, Lady of Rainham photograph in particular, the assistant cameraman pointed to the stairs and told the cameraman to take the picture. So there you have the witness had already seen the figure on the stairs and was telling the cameraman, press the shutter now. So you right. do have objective-subjective correlations, Ron. Right, in that particular case. But it does not rule out the fact that... Uh, Cases, I've got a case here where a couple, a lady and a mother, were out for a stroll. Um, they saw... I won't give you the whole story because it's quite a long one, but they could both hear music. They looked up um, and they could hear the sound of a harpsichord being played. They didn't discuss, oh, look, that's really strange as a harpsichord. They just both mm-hmm. stopped. The mother said, oh, he's very good, isn't he? And the daughter said, oh, he is. He's very good at playing, isn't he? And they carried on. And then they came back. And, of course, the house was all boarded up and had obviously been empty for quite some considerable time, at which point they then described what they'd seen to each other. So there was no mass hysteria. There was no, I can see something really unusual. Can you see it? They both Mm -hmm. just assumed there was something normal going on, didn't discuss it, and it was only afterwards when they both saw that they'd seen something that obviously hadn't been there that they discussed it. So it can't have been hysterical because as far as they were concerned at the time, it was normal. And they didn't discuss it because it was normal, as if I'd been in town seeing a buster. Or a Roman legion. Or a Roman legion. (laughs) Do you know, I, I, you know, we're talking about time slips, and we haven't yet uh, mentioned perhaps the, the most famous time slip of all, uh, which took place in Versailles. Versailles. That's right. Um, and you know, for, for for many years, for decades, it challenged psychical research as being, you know, absolutely a landmark and convincing case uh, for the existence of some sort of time-related event. Um, it was it was never ever challenged until um, in the 1930s 
a guy called uh, Sturgis White actually revisited the uh, story and the accounts, and he spent a great deal of time at Versailles um, and published a book in 1938, The Mystery of Versailles, A Complete Solution. And indeed, it is a complete solution. Um, there, there was no time-related event at, uh, at Versailles. Um, what had actually taken place is the ladies had, had in fact gone for a walk, as they'd said. Um, but w- their recollection was flawed, and the, the experience they had when they, when they tried to retrace the steps actually took them a slightly different way. Uh, and he found all of the locations and all of the points that they that they highlighted as being evidence of the time event um, to be completely normal and completely explainable. And yet even today, Versailles is still spoken of as a time slip event, yet it was conclusively demonstrated back in the uh, 19, late 1930s to be uh, a failing of human, of, uh, you know, uh, human memory. But there is... There is perhaps one very famous time event that, that still stands scrutiny, and that's the Dieppe case, uh, which involves... Sorry, I'm just shutting the bookcase. Uh, which involves um, ladies, two ladies on holiday, in Dieppe, obviously, um, who, over a, a series of uh, days, experienced the sounds uh, of of a battle, a great battle fighting aircraft, uh, engines, gunfire, um, and discovered that they were actually on the site of the Dieppe landings of 1941, uh, the failed failed raid uh, by the British and the Canadians on the American coast, on the French coast, sorry. Mm-hmm. And that has never been, um, it has been critically examined, and that has actually stood, uh, stood scrutiny. Yeah, when you said, for instance, besides was was caused, the case was caused because of that one book, that was it? No, no, no. Um, what had never been done up to the point of Sturge Whiting's book is nobody had had, a, had really conclusively looked at it. The ladies had done, um, the two ladies involved in the original uh, case, had taken 11 years researching the case. They'd had their experience, and then over the next 11 years... Um, believing the event to be uh, abnormal, paranormal, they had looked for all of the the objects, uh, all of the, the clues, all of the things that supported the the belief, and that's the key thing. It supported the belief uh, in the in in their experience being paranormal, being a time event, and they were able to find all of the elements um, within. You know the, the the vast history of Versailles. Um, so what what in fact happened was they started off with this slightly flawed memory. They then b- used that and built uh, built a story up and around it, using the evidence to, to bolster their idea and their belief. And what Sturge Whiting did is start afresh from the beginning and did something that the ladies themselves never actually properly did. He, he, he actually went back to the location and, to the, uh, and followed their route through Versailles. Bizarrely, they never actually went. They, they did visit Versailles, but they never went back over their original route. And all of the elements, the bridge, the grotto, um, the, the, the gateway that opened up, uh, all of the different elements were, 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 in many cases, still there and still still 
still obvious. Um, and it's, you know, it, it's just, it, the psychologists are probably better at explaining this part than I am. Uh, but you, what you were dealing with there was, you know, basic fundamental flaw of human observation and memory and recollection. And then they decided, you know, uh, to build the theory around it. They, they found the evidence that supported their idea. So we, we really can't say that their original experience was not a time slip, only that their substantial report of our evidence that they collected uh, didn't, uh, didn't uh, what's the word I'm looking for, validate it, or did validate it. Uh, I think we can actually, if, if you read Serge Whiting's book, I think you can actually conclude quite safely that the original event was not a time slip and that the ladies themselves didn't have a time slip because they didn't actually see what they claimed to have seen. Yeah, I was about to argue for that point because I'm sure I've heard a few cases like that where they've just heard the sounds of what was there before. And some of the people that reported these, various psychical researchers, argued them to be retrocognitive experiences rather than time slips. So they were predictions of past events just from the auditory phenomena that they heard. So there's another option. It's intriguing. I mean, that's the thing. We're all dealing with this time slip, but yet we do really not know what it is. Or we have no proof that it exists, or do we have proof that it exists? I'm trying to find a book, but if you had any idea what my house is like, which Steve does, you wouldn't know how impossible that is. Um, <laughs> it's one of the Andrew McKenzie stories of... Yeah, that's right. The bloke who goes... Hello? I've found about four different Andrew McKenzie books, but I can't find the one I'm looking for. It's the Is it one, Hauntings and Apparitions? It's the one where they get the envelopes from the shop that crumble into dust because the shop didn't exist. Can you remember that one? Steve, can you remember that one? Um... Vaguely, but I'm also have, now looking against... at a range of Andrew McKenzie books on my bookshelf. Basically, I'll give you a very brief outline, which is probably wrong, but it gives you um, a brief gist of it. Um, it calls in, a uh, bloke calls in at the shop, he wants some envelopes. Uh, the shop looks very, very old fashioned. Um, I can't even remember whether he manages to pay or whether the money is like old-fashioned money. Gets the envelopes, um, and I think the following day, the envelopes basically crumble into dust because... And when he tries to get some more, it turns out that they haven't been manufactured for, like, 40 years or something, and when he goes back to the shop, the shop's in ruins. And this reminds me of a case that I won't go into in too much detail, but it's like... um, Gladys and Tony. I was just going to say, you've got, at this point, and be given that, let, let me do a little intro here, because um, <laughs> this weekend, Anne and I, uh, and indeed Cal, are all doing presentations for the Society for Psychical Research Conference. And uh, Anne and I have bravely taken uh, a decision to allow Anne to present, uh, so, so I can dodge the bullet. Um, <laughs> A, series, a, a case uh, that we were involved with um, around 10 years ago, um, which has got a time element, a very peculiar and very interesting time element associated to it. And we know, 
um, in this case, that the material evidence, I'm not going to, I can tell you, tell you the story, uh, actually existed because both Anne and I at various times had it and held it. Go for it, Anne. Right. I was hoping to read it out to you, but unfortunately my computer has refiled everything in completely random order and I can't find it. Next to your Andrew McKenzie file. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Honestly, my computer has completely randomly filed everything under some sort of weird order, but basically... Um, I will have to cut the story very, very short, so you'll have to forgive me if some, if... I don't give all the background because it is quite a long story, but um, a couple were going to a printer's because they needed some printing plates. They had the address of the printer, so they drove out to the address of the printer. It was in an estate that had pretty much been knocked down and there was just one house left standing in the middle of this estate. It was very, very dusty, lots of dust leading up the steps to the door. They walked up the steps. Um, there was a bit of a counter inside the door. A little old man appeared and said, Oh, I've been expecting you, which took them slightly by surprise because they hadn't said they were coming. Um, he disappeared in the back, came out with a parcel wrapped in paper, and string, handed it over and said, these are the printing plates that you want, which again took them by surprise because they hadn't phoned the guy, hadn't said they were after the printing plates, hadn't told them, have told him they were coming, but he obviously knew they were coming and knew exactly what they wanted. Handed over the plates, the lady looked down as she put her hands out to hold the plates, looked back up and the gentleman had vanished. No sign of him anywhere. So her husband said, let's just take the plates and go home. <laughs> I'm not going to question this. Let's just go home. So hmm. they got in the car, drove home. In the car on the way home, she went to open the package with the plates in and she said the string and the packaging just crumbled into dust in her hands like it was really really old and indeed it was the printing plates that they'd wanted uh, the next day the husband went into work and he said oh we went out to this printers in this area of liverpool and his workmates started taking the mickey out of him and saying oh you're mad you are we always knew there was something wrong with you and he said what, what's wrong why are you saying that and they said there's nothing there that's all been knocked down and he was giving one of the lads a lift home, so he said, right, I'm going to take a detour and show you, because we got the plates off this bloke yesterday. So they took a detour and went to the estate, and the house wasn't there. It had obviously been knocked down quite some years before, because where it had been, there was grass growing through all the rubble. It was obviously knocked down at the same time as all the other houses. And these plates definitely existed because, as Steve said, we, we have actually held the, the plates themselves. But in another twist, um, when the gentleman died, the plates vanished and they've never been seen again. <laughs> there was also one other time event that took place in relation to this, this case involving... Are you not um, going to say the cyclist, are you? I am going to say the cyclist. 
<laughs> and what's more, for questioning, you can tell the story. <laughs> we well, can to... tell it in about two minutes. She okay, can. we were going to see the couple. We were driving along the country roads and we were held up by an old gentleman wearing lycra on a push bike. Steve was leaning out of the window, shouting abuse at him because we couldn't get past him. <laughs> As we drove past, <laughs> Steve stuck his head out of the window, got a good look at him. As we drove past, we drove past, got to the roundabout, over the roundabout, got two miles further down the road, and got stuck behind exactly the same cyclist. And we know it was him because Steve stuck his head out the window and looked at him again. Now either he suddenly teleported or there was some sort of weird time slip, because there's no way a 65-year-old cyclist could have driven faster than a Ford Mondeo down the same road to get in front of us again. <laughs> the, the, the lycra that the guy was wearing was, was very, very distinctive. It had you know, quite distinctive patterning on it. Um, <clears throat> as, uh, I didn't, I didn't, I have to say, a cyclist out there, I didn't abuse the gentleman. I was shouting at him with the windows up. Um, but he had held us up for, a, for around about half a mile uh, on, a, on a quite a narrow road. And we had a very, very long time to get a look at the back of this guy. Uh, after we eventually got past him, um, say two miles down a series of roads. And it's an area where we both lived. It's an area that we know very, very well. And there are no shortcuts. We were on the shortcut. We were on the shortest cut. The guy couldn't have even got over fields um, to get ahead of us because there was, there was uh, river and streams in the way. We ran up the back, ran straight into the back of the same man again. So, I mean, let, let me ask you, Mr. Parascience and Mrs. Parascience, why didn't you question him? Why didn't you stop and talk to him? That's actually a very good question. <laughs> um, I, I guess we were, we, were, we were just quite taken aback by the whole thing. And I, It's a very long story, and we don't have very many minutes left, but what we're giving you here is, is absolute edited-to-death highlights from, from a, a series of uh, events that took place uh, over a year and left us actually quite, quite shaken and, and questioning our own values and beliefs. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, at, at this point, it was, I think it was a case of uh, just drive. <laughs> <laughs> Don't look back, just drive. That never took place. <laughs> So this is kind of like no, why nobody takes pictures of uh, time slips with their cameras. No, I mean, you're talking here, I mean, we're, we're going to present this to the SPR at the weekend, but even then, in the, in the time allotted, we can barely scratch the surface of the experiences over, over a 12-month period that took place. Um, and, still, and it's still, to an extent, ongoing. Um, the fact that we've mentioned it tonight even fills me with trepidation. <laughs> because every, every time we start considering it, it sort of pops up again. Something else happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, well, you that's know what? We could be looking at alien abduction here, you know. I'm more concerned yeah, than my credibility. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're all right. If, if we, uh, we just stay clear of UFOs and aliens, we're fine. They don't exist. Well, it could be us from the future, actually. Yeah, there you go. It was Ron. Ron was the guy on the bike. Ooh. Ron, <laughs> you do not look good in Lycra. <laughs> this is Van Helsing costume. 
There you go. Anyone who's not an elite athlete shouldn't be wearing Lycra. I, I, I know that we're just about out of time, but uh, we uh, uh, we did have a quick question from Spooky Palooza, something about a case. Uh, there was an article in Time magazine about uh, physics for poets by Joan Stein that touches on the Higgs bosom. Do we Higgs know anything about that? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I got me thinking about it. it. It's, as I said earlier, physics does not um, have a problem with time events taking place. There is no proof that they, that they do take place. There is a lot of very good anecdotal evidence uh, that, that suggests that they do. But physics itself um, absolutely supports... Doesn't, they're non-contradictory. The laws of physics can live quite happily with time, time events. And many physicists have actually openly discussed the idea um, as being a possibility. In fact, you know, the physicists consulted for the Star Trek uh, television series and movies. You know, these guys, you know, cutting-edge physics, uh, like the guys over at CERN looking for the Higgs boson, um, these guys have got no problem with talking about time slips or time warps or time deviations, bending of time. Okay. Well, I hate to tell you this, but uh, I've been told that we're just about out of time. Hey, let me ask a quick quick question. Anybody hear the doorbell? No. Okay. I haven't heard the doorbell for some time. I I usually, it, so it's like a heartbeat again now. That. I know the pizza guy standing out there, but that I do know. So it's uh, actually time to uh, wrap it up anyway. So uh, you want to uh, mention any way? And first of all, thank you so much for being on the show. And the pleasure. What do you got coming up? Anything particular? And how can people get in touch with you? Oh, through the website. <laughs> www.parascience.org.uk And, of course, for anybody that wants to, this weekend, uh, up in Northampton, the SPR Conference, Society for Psychical Research Conference, with three great guest speakers, and the rest of them are just pretty dire. Absolutely. I'm here already, guys, getting it ready for you. There you go. So, anyways, I, I want to mention that I will be on a uh, deserted island in the middle of uh, the main coast on an abandoned lighthouse, and uh, that's how I'll be spending my weekend. Best place for you, Ron. Yeah, that's most people say, believe it or not. Every good captain anyway, goes down this lighthouse. We want to say goodnight and God bless everyone, and see you next week. Good night. Bye. From ghoulies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump. 